promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 120. When I was in trouble, I called to the Lord who answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips and from the deceitful tongue. What shall be done to you, and what more besides, O you deceitful tongue, the sharpened arrows of a warrior along with hot, glowing coals? How hateful it is that I must lodge in Meshech and dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have have I had to live among the enemies of peace. I am on the side of peace, but when I speak of it, they are for war. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 20, beginning of the 27th verse. Therefore, son of man, speak to the house of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, In this also your fathers blasphemed me by dealing treacherously with me. For when I had brought them into the land that I swore to give them, then wherever they saw any high hill or any leafy tree, there they offered their sacrifices, and there they presented provocation of their offering. There they sent up their pleasing aromas, and there they poured out their drink offerings. I said to them, What is the high place to which you go? So its name is called Bama to this day. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Will you defile yourselves after the manner of your fathers and go whoring after their detestable things? When you present your gifts and offer up your children in fire, you defile yourselves with all your idols to this day. And shall I be inquired of by you, O house of Israel? As I live, declares the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. What is in your mind shall never happen, the thought, let us be like the nations, like the tribes of the countries, and worship wood and stone. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and with wrath poured out, I will be king over you. I will bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you are scattered with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with wrath poured out. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the peoples, and there I will enter into judgment with you face to face. As I entered into judgment with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so I will enter into judgment with you, declares the Lord God. I will make you pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. I will purge out the rebels from among you and those who transgress against me. I will bring them out of the land where they sojourn, but they shall not enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. As for you, O house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, Go, serve every one of you his idols now and hereafter, if you will not listen to me. But but by my holy name you shall no more profane with your gifts and your idols. For on my holy mountain, the mountain height of Israel, declares the Lord God, there all the house of Israel, all of them shall serve me in the land. There I will accept them, and there I will require your contributions and the choicest of your gifts with all your sacred offerings. As a pleasing aroma, I will accept you when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will manifest my holiness among you in the sight of the nations, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel, the country that I swore to give to your fathers, 
And there you shall remember your ways and all your deeds in which you have defiled yourselves, and you shall loathe yourselves for all the evils that you have committed. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I deal with you for my name's sake, not according to your evil ways, nor according to your corrupt deeds, O house of Israel, declares the Lord God. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face toward the southland, preach against the south, and prophesy against the forest land in the Negev. Say to the forest of the Negev, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will kindle a fire in you, and it shall devour every green tree in you and every dry tree. The blazing flame shall not be quenched, and all faces from south to north shall be scorched by it. All flesh shall see that I, the Lord, have kindled it. It shall not be quenched. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, they are saying of me, Is he not a maker of parables? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this is the carryover from what we took a look at last week, where we we talked about how the, the elders came to Ezekiel to inquire of the Lord. And there was this, this question around the translation of it could either mean that they've come to try and find out more information because they haven't been listening to what Ezekiel's been saying all along. There's also this question, too. I was thinking about this uh, just this morning. There's also this question, too, of them almost coming to God and saying, do you really mean that? Could, could, could we negotiate here? Uh, there was also this question we talked about it of, of Ezekiel being an advocate for the people saying, oh, God, you're going to be merciful. You're not going to do these things, right? And then God goes through the, the story of Israel and what Israel has done. Uh, over the generations, turning away from God and the amount of times that God wanted to destroy them. But the, for, for the sake of his name, God, who is merciful and full of steadfast love, the, the ever-loving kindness of God, he did not destroy them. And, and uh, we, we get to this section now, where, where God is, is finally laying out exactly what he's going to do to bring about the new covenant. First, he goes after them saying, you know, you're, you're going to every high tree, every high place. You're, you're finding a tree and, and you're, you're creating it as sort of this idol there. And you, that is where you're doing all these things. And we, we hear about this regularly in first and second Kings where people were going to the high places. They were going, they were basically setting up their own sanctuaries in different places because uh, maybe they didn't want to go to Jerusalem to do things. Uh, maybe they were, it was actually where they were setting up these idols, these foreign gods, uh, these things in which they were worshiping the creation rather than the creator. We read about that in Romans chapter one. And uh, God is not pleased with that. Of course, uh, there's questions around it about right worship, not just, not just worshiping the wrong gods, but worshiping God correctly. And those are things that we can talk about. Um, but, uh, he, he then, he then basically says, you, you continue to do these things. Even to this day, even here in Babylon, you are doing these things. You've not set, afi- set aside these things. And so then you're coming and you're asking me for things. Go, go back to your other gods. Go, go turn to what it is that you trust in, that, that thing that you trust in. That's what Luther tells us. He says that our God is that in which we trust, in which we place our trust. That is our God. And so for many of us, that could be everything from the stock market to our partner, our children, our job, our boss, our sports teams, a pastor that we think is, is the best pastor ever, um, that, that we turn them into a God rather than worshiping Jesus Christ himself. 
And, and so then God basically lays it out that I'm going to take control. I'm going to take over these things and, and I'm going to do these things. And you're going to figure out what I mean by doing things for the sake of my name and for my glory. And so verse 33, as I live, declares the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with wrath poured out, I will be king over you. I will bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you are scattered with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with wrath poured out and I will bring you into the wilderness of the peoples and there I will enter into judgment with you face to face. Meaning uh, this is actually kind of good news for the exiles, right? Saying you're not going to be an exile forever. I'm going to do a work to bring you out. And you you should be sitting there going, yay, thank you, God. Yay, you're going to do this. Yay. But uh, at the same time, he's saying, no, I'm going to bring you out and you're going to go into the wilderness, meaning uh, the space between where Babylon is and the promised land, where Babylon is and Jerusalem. I'm going to take you out there where, where we went into judgment before. Judgment based on the fact that you were turning to other things, you're turning away from me, that you were giving me the finger, and I'm going to judge you face to face. And that's, that's not a that's not a happy place to be, I don't think, but it, but it's a word of God to them. And it's a word of God to us in these moments in, in which, um, in which we feel abandoned by God in, in these moments in which we feel like, is God really there? Uh, is the, is the very moment in which God is present with us because, because we're actually thinking about him, right? But then also we can cling to this word here to say, well, if God is going to do this for those that so turned away from God that they were killed, they were sent into exile, and all of these things. He's going to do this good work for them of bringing them out of exile, be the instigator of this work, then why can't he do something like that for me and my people? And so he he then says, verse 37, I will make you pass under the rod and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. I will purge out the rebels from among you and those who transgress against me. I will bring them out of the land where they sojourn, but they shall not enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. This notion of passing under the rod, uh, it it comes from the the last chapter in Leviticus where where they talk about the 10th the tithe of the sheep to be going to the temple for sacrifice and how you'd have this rod there to count the sheep. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, that one. And you take that one out and that one goes to the temple. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You take that one out, that one goes to the temple. And and here God is basically saying, I'm going to pass you all under this rod, my rod, as the shepherd. And he's going to have sovereign control over purging, purging from the flock, uh, those that are defective. Uh, and we're going to talk about that some more here in just a second here. He says, they're not going to enter in to the land of Israel, but, uh, that's, that's this issue of wanting to, to clean up the, the problems, uh, within the people of God. We're going to talk about that in just a second as we, as we get farther into this chapter, but here it's this picture of God purposefully taking his people and saying, you are going to pass into the covenant. And there's a question from some commentators of, do the nine get purged and the one is the, the that one, that 10th is the one that, that gets to go into the promised land, that 10th. And, and uh, historically thinking about it in a way, yes, right? Uh, number one, you have the divided kingdom 
in which the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Samaria, gets taken into exile by uh, Assyria, and, and we talk about them as the lost tribes that we that we don't know of, we don't hear of them any longer, and then we have Judah, which is where we get Jews from. Um, Judah and Benjamin and and parts of, of Simeon that sort of just get swallowed up into this one other this one other tribe uh, as though they are that tenth. Um, but then but then also within that you have this this picture of God purging from his people those who would cause them to stumble. And and it's not a pretty picture and I don't want to dwell on it too long, but there are those questions, right? Uh, as parents, for instance, we want to make sure that our kids are, are with the right people. That, that idea of bad company corrupts good morals uh, proverb, right? Where you spend too much time with the wrong people and you're going to become like the wrong people. Here, here God is saying, though, that he's going to pass them under the rod and he's going to, he will bring you into the bond of the covenant, thrusting them into this new covenant that he's going to be making with them, this new covenant that Jeremiah talks about in which you will, I'm going to place my law on your hearts and you will know me and everyone will know me. You won't have to teach anyone about anyone and I will remember your sins no more, he says. That's Jeremiah 31. But he says he's going to purge out the rebels. And in a sense, it's this notion of God purging out our sin, purging out the things that cause us to stumble. This should be a regular prayer for us, right? Of, of God's discipline to come to us, to help us so that we won't fall under the same sins again and that our faith might increase to where we might trust him more and more. I've spent so much of my time thinking about how uh, uh, faith is not up to me. Faith is a gift from God that God gives to me and that there's going to be times of doubt, uh, that sin is a reality, that I am going to sin. And and I had spent so much time as a child growing up in a denomination that was all about uh, personal holiness that I, that I drove myself away from that. And I'm not wanting to get back into that lifestyle. I'm not wanting to get back into that world of of policing myself to the point of wanting to, to flagellate myself, right? But this begging of God to drive away the sins, our pet sins that we continue to find ourselves in. It's, it's a similar road for us, a similar way that we can read this of asking God to purge those things from us, to cleanse us, to, put, to bring us through the fire of his spirit as a metallurgist would, to purge out the impurities that we might be that pure, that pure metal. Um, and again, he finishes it with, though, at the, at the end of verse 38, then you will know that I am, I am the Lord. We've talked about that, how the goal is for us to know him. But then verse 39, he basically says, go ahead and worship your idols. Go ahead and go and do those things because you're going to do them anyways. But my holy name, you shall no more profane with your gifts and your idols saying, you're not going to go and bow down to whatever idol it is that you have in your backyard and then come to me and bring me offerings. You'll pick one or the other. Go, go and do whatever it is that you think you're going to do, but you need to pick and you need to make a decision here. But, he, but he's saying, go, go ahead and do those things. And then verse 40, I love this. These, these last nine verses are phenomenal. For on my holy mountain, the mountain height of Israel, declares the Lord God, there all the house of Israel, all of them shall serve me in the land or worship me in the land, the whole house of Israel. That even though I'm giving you permission to go off and to worship your idols and serve them, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to bring you to the land and you're not going to do that anymore. 
So get it out of your system now because you're not going to be able to do it anymore. There I will accept them and there I will require your contributions and the choices of your gifts with all your sacred offerings. Meaning that he's going to accept them as he brings them out and there's nothing that's there's nothing done by the people of Israel that God goes, oh, now you're acceptable. No, he, he says, I'm going to accept you because you're my people, <laughs> right? Uh, verse 41, as a pleasing aroma, I will accept you when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you have been scattered and I will manifest my holiness among you in the sight of the nations, my, my setting apart of you. I'm going to manifest those things and you shall know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel, the country that I swore to give to your fathers. You shall know that I am your king. You shall know that I am your God when I do these things. This is this uh, phenomenal monogistic work of God in us, church. That God, uh, through Christ and the Holy Spirit, is coming into us to speak his word into us, to, to set us apart for himself, even in our sin, even in our frailty, even in our idolatry, even our, in our immorality, in, in all those things. God is going to be doing this work in us. And, it, and it's something that for us in our prayers, we need to be begging of God that he would continue to do those things in us. He says, and there you shall remember your ways and all your deeds with which you have defiled yourselves and you shall loathe yourselves for all the evils that you have committed. Isn't that where we should go? I have friends who, who try to, you know, we, we try to work our best at not dwelling upon past sins because those things have been forgiven in Jesus to allow those things to be stolen from us by Jesus, nailed to the cross and left there. That, that we, we don't dwell upon those things, but at the same time, that the spirit should bring us to a point there where we remember those past sins and we loathe those things, but then we get turned to giving thanks to God for what it is that he has given us, right? That to give thanks to God for the work that he has done in us. And he says, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I deal with you for my name's sake, not according to your evil ways, nor according to your corrupt deeds, O house of Israel, declares the Lord God. This is where I, I, wanted, I want to end because the last section is basically God going to the places where there's all those trees that they're, they're worshiping under. Then he's going to destroy them. He's going to get rid of those. That's, that's another connection to this purging. But here, this last verse is one of those struggles that we have because previously, remember, like I said, he's going to pass them under the rod and he's going to purge out all the transgressors and the sinners. But then he says here that he's not going to deal with us according to our evil ways that he's going to be our God for us and he's going to gather us to himself and he's going to make us his people. Uh, and there's good news in both of those things, right? Uh, the, the purging out of the transgressors um, is, is a question, I think I wonder if it's a question not of they're going to hell and they're having no part in the covenant whatsoever or if it is a well they are part of the covenant people they are part of my people but i'm going to remove them so that they do not cause you to stumble any longer right but then here he says i'm not going to go into judgment with you according to your evil ways i'm going to save you i'm going to redeem you because of my name's sake because of my loving kindness and my faithfulness that should be the thing that drives us to the lord church 
That's the thing that should give us comfort in, in the, the night terrors that we have in life often in which we fear what it is that, that we are doing or not doing. The comfort that we should receive from God in Jesus Christ is that he has not judged us or dealt with us according to our evil ways. Here in Ezekiel, it's a forecasting of what it is that Christ is going to be bringing about, which is the good news of the gospel in which we are freed we are freed in Jesus Christ, not because of anything that we have done, but according to his own goodness and grace. Those are the things that we cling to, church. Those, that's the thing I want you to take away from this chapter, that with all the stories of all the, the, the wickedness, all the, the, uh, the difficulties of life, with all of, of the things that should warrant God burning us up and destroying us, right? That instead, we are able to know that it's because of Jesus Christ that God is merciful and gracious, and that's how he shows it to us, is through the cross and through Christ alone. Those are the things that we cling to. That's the thing that should pull us away from trying to fix ourselves and allowing God to do this work in us, to bring us out of the exile of our sin, to make us his own. Let us pray. Almighty creator and ever-living God, we worship your glory, eternal three in one, and we praise your power, majestic one in three. Keep us steadfast in this faith. Defend us in all adversity. And bring us at last into your presence, where you live in endless joy and love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, many thanks to all of you who keep sharing this. We now have listeners, uh, I think I've talked, we have listeners in the Philippines and in Indonesia now. Hi to you. Uh, we have we have these listeners uh, all over the world now that, that are hearing this. Continue to share this. Give us reviews wherever you're listening, not because... Uh, we want to become famous or anything. We don't make any money off of this. We want to be able to get this message out and be able to go through the scriptures with you and show you how God is merciful and gracious, full of steadfast love, redeeming us from our sin and making us his own. I pray that's the message that we take this week with us. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.